Hello, and welcome to the Studying Games podcast. My name is Tanner. I'm Brad. I'm Joe. I'm Olivia. And I'm Robbie. And uh, this month, uh, we played Spelunky, a 2008-12 game developed and published by Mossmouth. It's a uh, 2D roguelike platformer game inspired by uh, Indiana Jones and that kind of whole, whole vibe. So we can go ahead and dive right in. What did everybody think? Well, yeah, so it's interesting that we picked Spelunky. I'm actually really glad that for this season of procedural games, we chose at least one game that was sort of iconic in some way in the genre. So I, because I also, I never played Spelunky when it was popular. Um, and I definitely, and I know that we all already talked about this off mic, but it was way harder than I thought it was. Way harder. I am so bad at this game. <laughs> <laughs> so glad to hear. I it. think I made it to like world like one two, maybe. And I mean, yeah. So yeah, I'm usually the one who sits down and like does as much as they can, even when the game is really hard for the show. But like, yeah, I only got to the second world the whole time, and. Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting because I've read so much about this game. Like, so many people talk about this game, especially, like, like every white paper I've ever read about procedural generation mentions this game. And um, and it is actually really interesting because even despite how old it is, the level generation is really good. So I still enjoyed, like, playing it. I, it, I definitely didn't, like... I don't want to say I had fun playing it because I just had such a hard time, but I was definitely really interested to pay attention to it and see these things that I had heard about so much. Yeah. Uh, well, I have to say that I'm so relieved that everybody else thought it was as difficult as I thought it was because I'm usually the one, if you listen to this podcast at all, you know that I'm probably the one who, I'm the opposite of Olivia. I'm not a completer or a, uh, a, a, a what do you call where you get all the things? Uh, you know. Collect. Yeah, well, that might be a completionist. Yeah. completionist. completionist. Yeah. I, I said that already. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't do that. Um, hard worker. Hard worker, right? I'm, I'm a, yeah. Uh, all of that's true. Um, anyway, uh, this game was, yeah, uh, I liked the idea of it and I totally love, like you said, and appreciated the way that they generated these levels. They really seemed like they were all that old school Mario kind of, but with my, you know, updated graphics. They they all seemed planned, and they weren't. And to be able to do that through procedural generation in a medium like this, in a genre like this, I think is uh, pretty awesome, pretty well done. Even though it was <laughs> ridiculously difficult. Joe, what do you think? What I think, yeah. I also found it challenging, but um, I was really surprised. Um, even the game's what thirteen years since it was first launched. I was surprised, and we can come back to this more later. How much culturally felt off about it, <laughs> and so um, you know, and and I've read articles by the designers, and there's you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, I can't think of his name now. Um, but. There are two anthologies, uh, Procedural Generation in Game Design and Procedural Narrative in Game Design, or Storytelling in Game Design. And there are articles by the Spelunky people, I think, in both of them, maybe, but at least for sure in the first one. And and so they're still very much in the game. And but they're still talking there's, about them. But there's no discussion at all of the sort of cultural s- things happening in that game, in these anthologies that are coming out 
two, one, two years ago. Anyway, it's just interesting. And I think, I think it's worth discussing how even over a decade or so, there's been a big shift in what would be considered, let's maybe we say mildly offensive. Is good, that a good fair taste. thing to say? Yeah. Um, Uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Like a little um, bit. You know, both, both in terms of gender and in terms of, um, culture and ethnicity. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I, that, that for me, there were a lot of th- other things we can talk about for sure and the technical aspects and, and all that's super interesting. But for me, that was the, the thing that hit me the most out of the experience. So anyway, that's my first, first take. Yeah. That, that's how I, f- I felt kind of what everybody else, uh, said, uh, the procedural generation is obviously very, very good and still worth, um, you know, still worth looking to for for um, inspiration. But I feel like I wish that I had played it closer to like when it came out. Like if I was still a freshman in college when I played this game, um, I might have had fun <laughs> and enjoyed it. But now uh, being an older person and certainly um, as uh, culture shifted, but also just like video games have uh, changed as well and indie video games too. It just feels like a um, maybe it's because so many games have built on top of it or maybe it's just because I'm in a different place now but it just seemed like oh I, I can see why this would have been very enjoyable back then um, uh, for you know but we'll we'll get into that a little later. Yeah no I think I agree because there was, there was definitely like from what I remember, Spelunky kind of led the charge a little bit on on moving like indie games onto consoles, uh, at least somewhat. And then you had kind of a, like a proliferation, I think, of these these sort of intense platformers with like Super Meat Boy uh, and some others around that era. And I definitely um, was not conceptualizing it like that when I picked it, because uh, I yeah I'm really bad at it. Like, and I, I typically don't have. <laughs> yeah. have you know, I, I'm not that great at most games, uh, but I really struggled with this one. But what's, what's the one that came out pretty recently that with the, fe- the 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 name is a single female Celeste? Celeste, yeah. It it didn't remind me of it when I was playing it, but now that I'm thinking about it, the, the level of difficulty in Celeste it's sort of similar. Yeah, I think um, there's probably like you could probably trace a line of influence, like yeah. you know, over the like last ten years. Jumping, yeah, although I mean, Celeste is all handcrafted because it mm-hmm. every one of its levels mm-hmm. has a kind of solution, mm-hmm. like a puzzle if solution. Puzzle yeah, and that's actually interesting because I mean there is a huge thing that's still popular in indie games, which is these like really hard platformers. Like it was a thing for a long time. And it still is a thing. Like, people still love them. Obviously, Celeste is wildly popular. popular. But what's really interesting about that is thinking about the way that they've evolved since Spelunky and how important the accessibility options in Celeste are for a vast majority of people to actually be able to play the game. And it really does go to show, you know, the sort of grown, like, horizons of what video games are supposed to be, right? The way the barriers are sort of dropped. Um, Because I definitely had flashbacks when I was playing this game to playing like Binding of Isaac and all these really popular, really difficult, arcadey sort of games that were definitely in sort of that first wave of like what felt like the first wave of like console indie games. Um, And yeah, and it just feels it felt more dated than I expected it to be. But um, it was just really distracting because it definitely felt like a game from 2008 the whole time I was playing it. Well, this made me. This reminds me that I wanted to ask Tanner, why did you pick Spelunky, the first one, and not Spelunky two? Yeah. So, so based on some some incidental research, uh, 
it was generally considered that the the level generation in the first game was was a bit better than the second game. Okay. And since that's what we really wanted to focus on, yeah. like in terms of why I picked it for this season, I went with that. Uh, beyond that, I'm not a hundred percent familiar with like the differences between the two. Uh, but yeah, that's and I did a, a little bit of research about like the 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 general pattern they use to generate the levels, um, which in practice didn't sound like super, uh, I don't want to say innovative because I mean, it was really effective, but um, it's pretty straightforward. Like essentially like a, a, a nine by or a three by three grid of sort of a selection of pre-designed cells that it then sort of has some criteria for how it picks uh, which cell goes next to which cell and then fuzzifying the edges. Um, but I, I do think that it turns out like really effective, like navigating the levels with like the tools they give you yeah. uh, still felt pretty satisfying. Yeah, and that's honestly one of the reasons why I feel like, well, at least from, from reading about the developers talking about it, the reason that they feel that the generation was so successful is because they, they kept it deceptively simple. Um, they didn't, you know, go past the level of generation that they needed to create exactly the sort of thing that they did. And, um, and through, like, iteration, yeah, they realized that there were things that they didn't meet. It made the level better for being more simple. Mm -hmm. uh, because, I mean, the mechanics of the game are fairly simple. I mean, we haven't really described the game because, honestly, I'm pretty sure that if anybody <laughs> is listening to our podcast, they would probably know yeah. what Spelunky is. Have you ever um, played Pitfall? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, um, the, the... There's a game called Super Mario brothers yeah. that you might have heard of um imagine mario with a whip uh falling yeah. well yes. it is it's, it's it is really interesting that you know leather even we're joking about it but honestly this game is so iconic that you know that it is that memorable yeah. um but yeah and i mean so i mean honestly i don't know how much there is to really say about the the how the generation works because it's just effective and everybody knows it's effective and it feels authored. And those are all the things yeah. that are goals for procedural generation most of the time. And I think that simplicity that you were talking about and the fact that they were able to keep it, keep a pretty complex thing because it's not easy to come up with all of those shapes fitting together and all of those pieces and the fuzzifying that you're talking about, which that's a, that's a, is that a word? Is that an actual? <laughs> yeah, uh, you know. I like it. Uh, I'm going to start using that for other things. Uh, fuzzification. Yeah, yeah. When my when my beard grows out a little longer, <laughs> yes. that's called fuzzy logic, right? Right, fuzzy. Uh, um, but it, I, I I liked the fact that even though it was difficult to play, and even though we haven't talked at all about the way the default controllers are set up uh, for a keyboard, at least. Um, that was probably my least favorite part of the game. Yeah. Um, so much so that I didn't even want to worry too much about changing. <laughs> but uh, but that simplicity of those levels, they do it so well and make it, like you said, they make it seem authored. authored. Yeah, well, and it's, it's actually a really interesting design concept that I'm still learning as a developer and a designer, um, but that especially new game designers, it's, it's something like... I work really hard to impress, which is that in the end, it doesn't matter what's happening underneath. What matters is what people experience. And mm -hmm. so often we try to over-design this and we're like, you know, when you think about these simulations where it's like, well, the wheat actually grows at one centimeter <laughs> per day. Yeah. Yeah. People may not notice it, but I do. Right. And, you know, 
people don't care if the we you know if they what they care about is that experience and so yeah this kind of turing test right of like does it feel like a human being authored it and and if you the simplest way that you can do that is the way you should do it right and um, but yeah, but as designers, we're like, but but I could, right? Like, I could yeah. make it so that it, you know, when when no one's around, it eats a banana. Right? <laughs> like, Did you see my giant chart right. with all of the different connections between all of the different genealogies? But this is what we nerd out about, right? right. Like it's as other designers, right. we're like, we're like, like oh, well, that's so cool. Yeah, oh, yeah, like they all have day night cycles, and all of yeah. the villagers go to their houses and they talk to their families and get depressed because their kids play failing out of school. Yeah, but, like anyway, it's just. Well, it's almost that we make a game out of making games like like we are we <laughs> yeah. are gamifying the gamification process yeah. right um yeah and then and, you know and, and for some games that is what's really appealing about them i mean especially there's definitely a wave of highly simulated games i mean there's dwarf fortress there's mm-hmm. you know and more recently caves of good which we talked about and, sure. and rimworld is doing some interesting stuff right yeah um but even, you know, in game like RimWorld, most of it is within the scope of what is being observed, right? Um, and But then we have, you know, uh, URR, which is a game that <laughs> yeah. I recently learned about because Joe was talking about it, which is like an absurd level of simulation because that's the whole point, right? Yeah. And um, But then we have, you know, Spelunky, which only simulates what it needs to to create exactly the sort of patterns that they want with the gameplay. Yeah. And so... Um, yeah, it is interesting to think about just for... Because even thinking... I mean, I literally haven't even looked at Spelunky 2, but... I mean, it seems like... that. Like, So how do you iterate on this, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're adding things to it, that's sort of like antithetical to the initial design pattern of, you know, creating this very streamlined, very specific mm-hmm. experience. And, and so that's an interesting problem as games have grown and they've gotten more complex and, you know, there's so much more things that people expect to experience in a game. Especially considering, like, from what I saw, the second game not being considered, like, strictly an improvement over the first game. Yeah, like, so that's that's just really interesting in and of itself, right? Because presumably all they really did is add more stuff to it. But that isn't always a good thing. Yeah. That doesn't always improve the experience, even if it makes it feel a little bit more up-to-date in some ways, but... Yeah, and once... Right. Once we sort of aesthetically experience something, right, then we come back to it again and we go, oh, right. But the first time it's like, oh, my gosh. Um, But yeah, it's wild. Um, But there's a type of person who loves um, who loves a game so much that they will keep playing new iterations of it, regardless of how. Uh, sure. How much like Monster Hunter, like <laughs> or like me with Pokemon? Yeah. Like, Pokemon. Yeah, like, I'll play every version. Yes. No matter. No, how, it's true. If it's good or not. <laughs> um, just super quickly on the simplicity issue. There's other also. Um, is it apophenia? Is that the term I'm thinking of? Apophenia is no, not the word for when people when they see a pattern and they attribute um, oh, authorship to. Yeah. It. So, oh yeah. I think it's apophenia, mm-hmm. right? So I think we've actually said, yeah, I think you've said that in this podcast. Okay. <laughs> it's, a really, oh, it's a really important mm-hmm. idea yeah. for design yeah. because um, I'm thinking of, for instance, in, in To the Rescue, right, the dogs. We rely so, on that a lot. Yeah, so anything where you've got something that appears to have agency. And so in AI development, it's really, really, epiphenia is really important because, again, you could do all that extra simulation, but if you could do a tenth of that, 
and people will then fill in like, oh, that dog must have been angry, so that's, that's why, why he bit happened. that other dog. And you're just like, no, I just <laughs> it was a random number between one and eight, right? We saw yeah. that. Yeah, I've seen that recently because I just got done doing a bunch of demos with, with with people, and then there would be a chihuahua that spawned that had the traits like barky and overweight, and they're like, yep, that's just like my dog. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's yeah. Random, I modeled but, it on your dog. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. let's go with that. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And our brains project all of these totally yeah our brains are always looking to assign patterns to and authorship to randomness and so we're like oh that must mean something and so even in level design right we go oh that someone worked really hard on that even if it's yeah procedurally generated or anyway it's i just think it's a really cool and important idea for that kind of development and capes of could really felt that way Mm -hmm. felt very very authored Mm -hmm. um and was not. Yeah, and I mean, and it is interesting talking about how, because sometimes, you know, because procedural generation as a whole is often treated as a tool to generate lots of content for less work. But sometimes, if you really go into that heavy simulation, it might have been easier for you just to hand author this yeah. game and by the time you go and do all these things. And, and yeah, so I feel like this game is a really good example of the exact right use for the tool. Yeah. And it's thinking of it in that it's one of you, I can't remember which one. Somebody said something about the sort of timeline of this, right? Mm-hmm. The history of it. And it I don't think you can get uh, Valhalla without Spelunky, Valheim. right? Valheim. Yeah. No, Valheim. What's Valhalla? That's just where do they that's go? Just when, what, that's just what's Ragnarok. Yeah. <laughs> no. So right, you you need Spelunky in two thousand and eight, right? To get Valheim in two thousand and twenty. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, I think the experience of what Valheim does, right, gets so much closer to what I want out of procedural generation, which is that it feels like a whole new land, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it's possible, again, without Spelunky coming along in 2008 and saying, well, what if we do this and in within a kind of existing genre, but we're... Anyway, I, that yeah. seems important to yeah i'm curious if anyone else felt like the uh they wanted it to be a different game so so i wanted it to actually be like a spelunking game the more i played it less the like you know twitch reaction like platforming segments and like okay i've got some bombs and i've got some rope and i've got to get to the end of the level Mm. without dying okay and like as much treasure as I can get, kind of like a push your luck. Like I can go yeah. over this pit of like, oh, you know, yeah. spikes and I, things I like that. I enjoyed that more of like trying to carry the actual like things to your goal was yeah. a very interesting gameplay decision. Um, and that's what yeah. I kind of naturally gravitated to, but then they have the, the ghost, which yeah, like... which punishes you for taking too long. Yeah, that, that was hard. Oh, is that where, when it comes out? I think, I think so. so. Oh, I, that okay. was as far as I yeah. can tell. And so it, oh, this go goes back to what you were saying. I knocked out a caveman and then threw him into a pit of spikes and then wow. immediately a ghost came out of nowhere and so uh, my thinking was that that's why right that happened. Oh. apophenia but and yeah it's interesting you bring that up because i as i was playing the game i kept thinking about other games that did things that i liked in spelunky better since <laughs> spelunky came out so yeah. i was like 
oh yeah, this is sort of cool because it's like in Starbound when you're like digging really deep for resources and uh-huh. then you have to come back and it gets dangerous, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I love that that sort of push your luck of how far can I go and still come back out alive. Like yeah. that's a really compelling mm. experience, but it's also very different from what Spelunky is doing. Right. And they're all definitely things that undoubtedly in some way were in that came you yeah. know in my yeah and ter- like terraria and, and the, in a lot of ways steam world <laughs> dig which is a kind of less known game but mm-hmm. it, it does the same kind of thing and obviously even minecraft right has yeah. that mm-hmm. that kind of uh yeah no it's it's interesting um so what, one thing i mean you mentioned a minute ago that uh valheim was the example you were using of using procedural generation to generate a big, beautiful world. Um, that's kind of one of the things that I I love about procedural generation, but it wasn't in this game. Mm-hmm. There was there was a certain amount of uh, game game elegance to the way they put those map pieces together to, to create all the caves, but it wasn't an inhabited world. It was still just a platformer that went from one thing to another. And that's, I'm not a huge fan of platformers mm-hmm. uh, that do that anyway. Um, and I'm definitely not, I'm so bad at the ones um, <laughs> that where you have to push the right button at exactly the right time to jump to exactly the right space yeah. and bounce off the wall exactly right. You, what was your term for it a minute ago? Twitchy like, thing? Yeah, Twitch action. Yeah, Twitch. Yeah. I'm horrible at that. Fuzzification. Um, yeah, fuzzification. <laughs> fuzzificated twist, Twitch action. Um, <laughs> fuzzificated twitching apophenia. Yes. Pyridelia. That's what Brad has. <laughs> All of that, yes. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm probably going to be dead by... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what's... Sorry, go. So one of the things that jumps out at me because of the, the time period that it was in um i wanted more like i think since then there's been more more verbs that people can do in a platform game mm-hmm. and there was none of that here yeah. so like yes you could you could attach to uh, a single part of a wall but you couldn't like wall jump mm-hmm. and there was a lot there was a lot of like little things like that that i, I kept remember. trying to wall jump yeah i, I kept trying too. to too like i <laughs> i want to do that cuz it it would let me get like traverse the map more right. and almost be like a little bit more like spelunking like mm-hmm. what we're purporting to be doing they had here. the ropes though which i kept forgetting were a thing oh yeah yeah <laughs> yes. well I, I found the interactions with the ropes to be uh like like i, I essentially got the sense that they were just to like keep you from falling from just or from dying from falling just mm-hmm. a bit too far uh, which I mean, clearly, it's a rope, like it's a grappling hook. But uh, like, I felt very vulnerable the entire time I was on the rope. And like, if I misplaced my rope, which is a limited resource, then I'm like trying to get him to like jump sideways, <laughs> and he doesn't really want to. Right. The first thing he does is just kind of like let go half the time. <laughs> uh, I thought that was just me because I was fumbling with my fingers on the with the Z X C S keys and yeah. all that. I mean, yeah. the, the physics in the game is definitely. In some ways, not intuitive, right? Because it feels like it's gotten better even in platformers. You know, in mm-hmm. that genre, it's definitely more refined because there's mm-hmm. been so much more iteration on exactly what feels good and what. Yeah, which is another good point. The the, I mean, again, some of these development techniques, like if you didn't develop games, you would never know they existed, <laughs> right? But some of the ways that forgiveness, right, which is a great design concept, right? For our listeners who don't know, forgiveness is a. It's a, the idea is that. If someone makes a mistake, you want to design something into the system that actually helps them to recover from it, right? Um, and that's not just true in games, it's true in any design system. And 
forgiveness in platformers specifically has come so far where people will do things like create invisible platform edges that extend beyond the visible so that you actually land even if you didn't quite make the jump far enough all that kind of stuff or your jump is boosted in particular ways that aren't real or to the physics engine yeah or yeah. they'll snap to things all of those design elements came out in the last decade like they're all part of of that development process and so it's again it's really wild to think about all the ways user experience has been looped through iteration after iteration. It's 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 cool, right? To yeah, make better experiences absolutely. for people. Um, Even so, this game did have some stuff that I didn't realize was in this. Like I expected it to be a little bit simpler than it even was. Um, you know, once I saw you couldn't wall jump, I was like, oh, okay, so all I'm gonna be able to do is just like jump and that's it. But you can like run, if you run fast enough over gaps, you can just like skirt over edges, yeah. which is a really interesting mechanic that you're definitely supposed to use. The single spaces, use. yeah. Yeah, because it's in the tutorial, I think yep. it tells mm -hmm. you you can do that. Um, and things like, you can still grab on edges if you just quite, you know, almost make it. And there are definitely little things like that that were a little bit more sophisticated than than anticipated. For sure. And I never, I didn't play many games in the genre, but I feel like at the time those things would have felt really cool and yeah. really interesting you know compared to mm -hmm. you know whatever other 2d platformers i would have been playing otherwise <laughs> um i mean spelunky is definitely the biggest one i can think of uh that, that in, in terms of that gap between like classic mario mm -hmm. uh platformers and then everything we've had kind of since spelunky it's a very uh, clear bridge yep. yeah yeah well, and it's right the, the even the incorporation of a shop, right? Mm -hmm. So the shop is a pretty novel idea in two thousand and eight, right? Mm -hmm. But now it's You're, in every single every yeah. single uh -huh. rogue like has a shop. But but also and so again, one of the things I've been trying to do is just be more forgiving of its moment, right? Like the fact that the shop only has like three or four things, I'm like. Oh, <laughs> where are the upgrades? Like, yeah. can I craft my own weapon? <laughs> and some of the items were very not useful. I found like, like absolutely like this doesn't change any aspect of my gameplay. Like, especially yeah. after recently, I think the most recent roguelike I played was Hades. So right. that's a very interesting game to play before this one, as a because of the it's sheer. So sophisticated. It's yeah. so sophisticated and so tightly designed, and every single choice you make completely changes. Yeah. what it feels like to play the game yeah. um and yeah and then now i'm like okay now i have spring boots so i jump four pixels higher than i did before no, yeah. um, i see that a lot in in games where there's a shop there's uh it, it seems like they pack the shop with mostly totally useless things that are common and once you're to the level of being able to and needing to go to the shop you don't need any of that other stuff and so it's just all this extra junk that you're not ever going to use. And I wonder why so many games do that instead of finding a, a really good way to broaden that and keep it up with your level every time so you go into the shop. Can I tell you my, my theory? Mm -hmm. I think that the game is not... It, I mean, the game is challenging, but it's not as challenging as it seems if you don't get gold. Like, mm -hmm. if you if you don't look at the shop as like something you have to get or like that you're wanting to get you choose only a platform yeah and you're not trying to like get every gem you find or anything you avoid most of the enemies you avoid so many dangerous oh, things yeah. and you're just getting to the end of the level and yeah. then by if you do that then it like right why collect money if there's nothing to spend it on right exactly yeah. and at level like two or three then you have enough to get something from the shop because by that time maybe you're out of bombs or something 
And then interestingly, you, though, yeah. you made me think of two things. One is, if I remember correctly, um, you, how much money you have at the end is, is how you get your high score in Spelunk, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so it's basically okay. how much money you've okay. collected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but the other thing is... And how fast you complete it. Yeah, oh, right, 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 right. Um, I've been fascinated by this issue of stores, not just even in roguelikes, but across the entire yeah. spectrum of game development. Yeah. So the relationship between kind of three elements, right? One is things you find, one is things you can buy in shops, and one is things you can craft yourself, right? And those that kind of triangle creates all of the gear you can essentially get, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you can win things from bosses, right? But that's still but sort it's of basically finding finding it's still it, sort right. Yeah. yeah, at another level. But so you can find it, you can make it, or you can buy it. And my experience, even today, like in games coming out, like literally today. They, they still can't seem to balance shops, yeah. Yeah. right? So that you go, oh my God, I cannot wait to get back to that shop where X is being sold because it's yeah. the exact yeah. thing I need. And I remember feeling that in earlier a games. A time. Yeah. But essentially, shops are like, they you sell to them. That's exactly <laughs> that's right. The whole yeah, function yeah, is just, I got to get right. rid of a bunch of loot. But there's nothing I don't care that I want. And they're infinite gold generators. Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, yeah, because the best stuff that you can get, like it's worth saving your money for resources or something. Yeah. And then just crafting your own. Exactly. Be because better. you're going to... And it's more satisfying to have right. gotten the things totally. to work up the best. And crafting emerged out of the... Like prior to crafting, it was just the two, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you find it or you buy it. And so crafting, I think, was an attempt to solve that that issue mm-hmm. but now it's just further circumvented the shop as That's anything really that you would ever care about except as a bank yeah well mm-hmm. well I, I like games where they blend the uh, crafting and the shop part though where uh, a shop is a place that you can go to take the things that you found buy an extra thing that's hard to find or that's specialty crafted by someone else or some some other in-game in player conceit. economies it's a little bit different yeah. yeah yeah and and putting those together to make a thing out of what you found and what you've uh, bought in the shop yeah that kind of fluid dynamic between those three points that you mentioned i think makes for a really good game right but it's rare it's like you like yeah. you said you has anybody so but have has anybody here played because i haven't have you played a game where a shop is able to do all of the same things that you could do yourself as a crafter? Yes. Because, okay, so which one? Moonlighter, because you are the shopkeeper. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, nice. And you're crafting the things to Totally. But, but for me, I that would that solve one. it. Because it's good. There, I, I ideally would not cra- be a crafter myself. I do it because it's the only way to optimize my gear. Mm-hmm. But if I could go to a shop... And the shopkeeper was like, everything that you could have learned in the crafting table, I have that ability. And so here, tell me what resources we're supposed to use. Tell me, like, basically give me the crafting window in the shop. Yeah. Has Fallout, our- Fallout 3, like, kind of flirted with that with repair skills. Yeah. So, like, different merchants were better, better at, at repair. repair. Yeah. yeah. So you could go and find somebody who was good at repair and be like, fix my stuff. Here's a bunch of money. Right. I don't want to put points into repair just to, like, keep my my gear together yeah but that's interesting too because i know that a lot you know repairing as a mechanic is also really controversial like a lot of people absolutely can't stand it when yeah. they're i mean they took it out in fallout 4 so. yeah and i mean I'm, they did I'm, a lot of things in fallout 4 <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's that's just say that's, that's enough you know and, and but i'm thinking about games like like breath of the wild um where everything breaks 
Mm-hmm. But also you own you just about can only find things, right? Mm-hmm. There's not yeah. Um, Which was unusual. Like, I was surprised by the systems they had. Yeah, that game. definitely. Yeah. Um, especially because it's, it seems like, uh, especially in like RPGs that have crafting systems, a really key thing for the shop would be to like invest in it as a supplier. So, like, yes, I, I don't want to go out and grind by like searching for every randomly placed like iron deposit or like. Yeah. XYZ. Like, I just want to buy in bulk from a mine yeah. iron, yes. and then I'll like, make the stuff that I want. This is their career. Why right. do I yes, have exactly. to yeah, right. but, I, You know, I've always, often, or for a long time, I've thought that that would make a great uh, open world, uh, massive multiplayer That's RPG. That's what I was about to say. Is where, yeah. Because there are people who like going out into the world to find the mining spots, and it's like kind of a fishing. It's yeah. the same. Same yeah. general idea of fishing. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> I, I've definitely gotten into that rhythm, but I usually find it when I have to do the whole process. Yeah. I'm just like, this yeah. is yeah. just exactly. a giant right. time yeah. sink because and I'm doing do like... Everything. Haven't they heard of Eat. Fortis Economics? <laughs> Division of Labor. <laughs> <laughs> One guy makes the headlight. Yeah. <laughs> well, but it's really interesting that... You don't make like, your own car. I do feel like the most satisfying... Uh, sorts of economies like that. Mm. I mean, and we're totally not even talking about but I feel like it is in games with player driven economies yeah. where there are yes. people like, you know, I mean, cause I'm even thinking about really simple ones like RuneScape, right? Yeah. Where, yeah, there's the resources and then there's the, the resource like um, providers and the resource consumers and they have this relationship with each other and it totally works. Um, and you can spend the whole game in in RuneScape just mining ore and selling it, and yeah. you can be you know just it's just it's like a separate game yeah. experience, and there's it, it suits different types of players. But Eve Online too. Yeah, I mean there's e- lots ESO, of yeah. I mean, Elder Scrolls Online does yeah. does a lot of has that, a yeah. very dynamic. Even thing. in like single player, like like in Elder Scrolls Six, let me go to the <laughs> town general store and be like, it's great that you're a general store. Awesome. I need you to carry more. In five <laughs> units of like whatever Jeez. every week, yeah. like I'm going to, to invest in you to, to just get all the cheese, right. as much like, cheese as you right. can find. Fallout like, has that investment thing in one of them. I was right? about to say, I feel I like there was a game I played recently where there was a whole thing where you're you can choose to invest in. Maybe upgrade, Fable or upgrade something. Upgrade the stores. Yeah, I've oh. seen it in a couple games, yeah. but it's usually, it's just like a linear, like, we'll carry yeah, yeah. generally some better stuff. Yeah. But coming back to procedural generation, <laughs> which I know we are talking about periodically. <laughs> yes, definitely. So, Caves of Could, one of my complaints about their algorithm for their shop generation is when you finally get to whatever that northeastern desert place is that's got, like, the many areas of shops, mm-hmm. they're sometimes hideously unbalanced. Yeah. Right, so you'll have like nine shops that sell rugs. Yeah, and, it's like and there's things. one weapons guy, but that weapons guy sells like weapons you found ten hours ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and sometimes you'll generate, and there'll be like a grenade salesperson yeah. and a book salesperson and a poison salesperson, and it's like yes. yeah, that's yeah. And from a procedural generation standpoint, yes, technically it did exactly what it was supposed to do. They have a rug based economy. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't use rugs when I'm fighting in the swamps. They're just well, not strong enough. Well, you can lay the rug on the swamp tile, <laughs> and then you can walk over. I hadn't thought of that. Have you heard of the country trip back? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, rugs. But I do think it's useful. Like even though it diverges from Spelunky, this this is mm. the kind. This is what people come to us for, right? They want <laughs> our expertise <laughs> to talk through this problem. 
No, but but this store issue, I don't think it's going away. And right. then, and, and it seems like... It really highlights it to see this sort of, what feels like an early iteration of something that is now a game staple. Yeah. And, Why hasn't it changed very much in the genre? And even games I love really struggle with it. So Tales of Magia, right, which I made yeah. you all play a couple of years ago, <laughs> has does gear really well, procedurally generates it well, it's really satisfying, it's it's... I'm, I never go through a run where I haven't found at least two or three things where I think these are the greatest things I've ever found in my life. But the shops are useless. Mm-hmm. Totally useless. I, I just spend all, sell all my stuff. Don't so, even look. Yeah, so and then why not just have a button that like lets me sell everything? Why, yeah. you know? There are usability issues too in terms of like, like shops will very often have like a, a cash limit. They're like, we only have like 5,000 oh, coins. <laughs> You've got like 20,000. Yeah. And so you go That's to like every wall. town or like but every shop in the I town. But it does make it. more sense that a tiny little town is not going to have an infinite amount You're of like, gold to buy all of your junk that they don't It does make need. sense, but it's so frustrating right, when sure. it's like, what else am I supposed to do with this stuff? Right. That the rest but, of the game encourages no, and, you to pick up. And this is the real killer because then they're like, well, we could barter. You know, anything I want. Why would I barter with you? It's is a limiting mechanic in a game, right? So yeah. like, you, you Sorry, that was an outburst. I apologize. <laughs> it's something that we're all very we have a lot of strong feelings about. Right. It's okay, this right. is a safe place for you Thank to talk you. about. Your 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 store related exactly. trauma. Turn it all into water, how about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is heavier than the thing that you tried to sell. Okay, we're not talking about Caves of Kud anymore. I, I, but so, so, yeah, this is a good transitioning point because we talked around, we've, so far we've talked around something that we've all kind of mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, and that was the sort of um, social acceptable and evolution and where we were in 2008 versus where we are now um, socially yeah. uh, with some of the things that are in this game that... that might have made some of us uncomfortable. Let's talk about that now. <laughs> Before we get into that. Uh, oh, because because there's a lot of serious stuff there. The small thing about this game that I think was maybe acceptable back then and not so much now is everything with the sound design. Like I don't I did yeah. not find the music to be like I it's very rare where there's a game where I can where I feel like the music is like annoying or like just bad and I did not like that. And also um the sound of the damsel in distress was. I feel like it was one of the like the dudes working on the game. That oh was yeah. Just like Whoa. yeah, yeah, and, yeah. So that this just, is a good segue though. Yeah, yeah. it is because you know being able to knock her out and carry her around. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and use her as a weapon, yeah. throwing uh, yeah. enemies. Uh-huh. And, yeah, yep. There was a lot there to unpack. Let me let me preface this by saying again, I I think it's important to be like, okay, there was a particular context emerging out of a kind of history of Indiana Jones and Pitfall and Mario. Because I feel like this mechanic Mar- yeah. was them being like, what if we turn the princess into a mechanic yes, in the roguelike yeah. game? Like that's what um, it feels like. And it's they a did. thing in like and Castle so, Crashers too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think I'm gonna I'm gonna take a small step back from what I said at the beginning and reframe it and say I actually played Spelunky when it came out. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting to me especially is that I I have no memory of feeling any of this when I first played it. Mm-hmm. But when I played it now, it was glaring to me some of those ways. Um, the other one that was glaring to me was the the kind of, uh, the let's call him Middle Indian. I guess there was an Indian avatar that just felt... I guess it was. like who it had, was He had like the kind of wrapped oh. head, mm-hmm. and, which again is... 
feels like a different issue to me than the damsel in distress, but also just I noticed. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if maybe that's just me putting too much on the game because maybe there's nothing there. But anyway, mm -hmm. back to the damsel thing. In 2008, it didn't bother me a little at all. I was like, oh, right. cool game, blah, blah, blah. But now I'm like my, the self I am now came into it and was like, whoa, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember this. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, it had kind of like a, like a Saturday morning cartoons, like Johnny Quest vibe to me, where it's nothing that's like, like spectacularly uncomfortable, but you're just like, well, this just hasn't really aged the best. Yeah. I, I feel you like a lot of that, that with the, you mean the, are we talking about everything? Just, just, just everything. Okay. I'm just saying yeah. like sort of that vibe back where it was like, I use Johnny Quest as an example because sure. it was this this kid adventuring through all these different cultures and all over the world and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I wonder how much of it though came from. I could I could see and I don't know if the I don't want to speak for the designers, but I could see the designers coming at this with a a, a very loaded palette of uh, Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. Mm. It's clearly very, very heavily influenced sure. by that sort of aesthetic. Almost and frame by frame in yeah. some cases, yeah. And 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 that's great. Uh that they they wanted to go for that uh that feel and that and they they I think they did. Um and so a lot of these things, like the guy with the turban sure. and the, the, the damsel in distress and the all of that is is definitely holdovers from, sure. yeah, from they just that. turned it into Maybe. cartoon style. Temple and, of Doom. Yeah. 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 No, and, and yeah, absolutely. And and again, what's interesting to me is how and, and that's why I'm kind of reframing it is how I've changed from yeah. Yeah. from a, yeah. the person I was in two thousand and eight. Um well, yeah, I mean it was like, you know, it, it was just not conversations that people were really having about games in two thousand eight yeah. as much, right? Yeah. Like, and what's but what's wild too is that like I'm not even sure. So I, I've watched Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. I probably watched Raiders of the Lost Ark 80 or 90 times in yeah. my life. Sure. And there is a sequence. There are sequences in both films where the, the main female character is picked up by Indiana Jones and carried around, in one case, tied up. Yeah. So, and what's wild to me is that that didn't seem... Like, even as I think about it now, it seems less objectionable to me. Yeah. And I'm not sure why. Well, and so I, that's part of well, what I'm trying to unpack. I think a big part of the game is, well, so like when you're watching Indiana Jones, not that they do, I mean, they do an okay job of like, you know, the the, the, the dams or whatever. It's all right. <laughs> no, no, no. What I mean is like, uh, you know, the, the damsel's a character. Like, yeah. Yeah. For, she has a name. Yeah. She has a name. <laughs> and like speaking parts. Yeah. And like you get an idea of like she what. She has her own agenda. Yeah, you get an idea of like what motivates her. And she's also tough and sassy. Yeah, and they're to, actually. To, yeah. to a small extent. But this. Right. This damsel in this game that has no name. She's literally just standing around waiting for you to and, like, yes. knock her out. And, and it's yeah. literally a tool for you to just grab and throw at things. Like it's literally, right. it's like the most, the most you could possibly lean into making a woman an object. This yeah. game does. Exactly. Because the knockout part is, I think, partly what, what's really getting to yeah. me. It's like. Like, if you do anything physical, she gets knocked unconscious. And can die easily. It's yeah. like, oh, she went into the spike pit. Oh, well, I'm going to keep yeah. going. Well, and then you get points for essentially on. throwing her down, like, the garbage chute, right? Like, you're, like whatever the thing is at the end, right? You're the just, like, you're throwing yeah. all your prizes. Yeah. You're just like, oh, I got some gold. I got, like, this this object head that I stole from this sacred place. <laughs> and I've got this woman. This woman I'm yeah. carrying around. I'm going to put yeah. her in the... I guess I'll put her here and, in this storage well, container. And what it serves is it's a way to regain your health. 
Also, <laughs> right. oh, just like the prostitutes in, in exactly. uh, Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto. You can shoot them too. Yeah. Well, I mean, there there are no boob shots or panty shots over like in other games that uh, we've talked about, that's right? That's true. So I mean, it's, it's no near no, automata. Yeah. At least it wasn't gratuitous. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there are mods. Oh, right. yeah, there's always mods. <laughs> um, but it is. It's it's. I mean, so and even there's even a further layer back. And again, none of this is directed specifically at Spelunky. But but if you take a further layer back and think about, and I, I don't want to make this episode too political, but if you think about colonization, right? Mm-hmm. So you think about the British, I'll just use the British Museum as an example, who, as far as I can tell, I haven't read a lot about it, but refuses to return any of, say, mm-hmm. Egypt's artifacts. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the ones that back in the, you know, teens and 20s well, that's and the ones 30s. In the museum. <laughs> well, they snorted a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. so, <laughs> and their argument, again, as far as I can tell, don't sue us. But I think their argument is that many more people will see these artifacts in the British Museum than they would in some, in some dusty little... Joe's about to cause an international incident yeah. on our podcast. I also okay. hear the, like, we are caretakers. Yes. Oh, it is, it right. is yeah. our responsibility so, to... Right. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's whatever. the kind of... We'll call it the white man's burden. Oh, okay. <laughs> let's, let's call it... Let's just... Yeah. So, all of that is to say, there's a larger layer of this, right, which is that the... The Indiana Jones character, again, we don't have to, I'm not trying to make this super political, but but it's worth noting that that layer also exists, which is, mm-hmm. you know, it's let's go find some yeah. kind of... Intake. Yeah. Intestine. I mean, Tomb Raider suffered, or at least the early versions of it suffered yeah. from the same problem. Now it's sort of remade itself into this, like, woman who More can complex. be beat up as much as possible and still survive... <laughs> kind of series but yeah um, anyway I, i'm saying a lot but also is um i didn't actually did, so there is a female playable character also oh is there uh one of I the playable i actually didn't it, you don't have to it's one of the starter ones oh, okay um i didn't ever play as her but i actually wondered if you did if it's still a damsel that you're knocking so out you, and you can yeah. swap yeah. that independently there's a okay. setting for like you the damsel can be a woman oh. uh some hunky guy you or can a change pug. it so oh, okay. oh, so you could knock out the dog and yeah. kick it around. Well, forget everything I just yeah. said. Yeah. All right. Well, then never mind. What a, yeah. You can what an enlightened it. game. But you have to I go like stop and be like, no, that. that's pretty. Cool. I specifically want to change. I didn't so, know that. Is that in the 2012? That's 23? what I was gonna say. Yeah. yeah. When um, was that added? The version on Steam. I don't know when it yeah. was added huh. or if it was there. It would be interesting to see. Yeah. Which which one they mentioned. Sure. Yeah. And the truth is, I mean, some several of these elements are are literally in Pitfall, right? So, yeah. Yeah. so it's not like I'm critiquing Spelunky yeah. specifically. It's, it's, it's just building an interesting... off of an established yeah. pattern yeah. of like because clearly they were like this game, the theme doesn't really matter all that much. Yeah. Because it's about, you know, the platforming and you know the, right. the, the sort of challenge yeah, of it. Totally. Like that's really the the thing that people are going to this game for. All of it is just set dressing, but it's yeah. building off of this sort of established pattern yeah. of of all the things it was influenced by and and in simplifying it for the game it yeah. also makes it worse <laughs> no, some, in some so, ways yeah. and this is the point yeah sorry no, go, quickly. Go ahead, go so ahead. just the, the the as designers as ethical designers and developers i think the thing that for me at least is worth considering is we're always abstracting reality right so yeah. whatever we design we're saying here's reality and i'm going to give you some version of it Mm-hmm. And and I think it's an ethical responsibility to think about that. And I'm not again, it's not a specific critique of Spelunky, no, but for I mean, me, it's it's a way to reflect on that mm-hmm. and analyze games and say how are they choosing to do this, and what does that mean about how we should see the world? And and so anyway, that's all I wanted to say. Yeah. And I think that's an important 
I think if you're not doing that as a designer, here's I'll make a judgment. If you're not doing that as a designer, I think you're you're you're, you're not designing ethically. Yeah. So well, here's a question. Anyway. Oh no, go ahead. Go just ahead. really go quick, ahead. piggybacking on that. Do you think that your position that you just stated, which I I agree with, um, did you have that same position in 2008? I'm sure I didn't. <laughs> I'm not sure I had it a couple of years ago. Right. I, I mean, I we I keep growing. Like we yeah, all keep yeah, growing, right? Yeah. So I, I grow as a person. As same time, I'm growing as a designer. But as I do these kinds of experiences with you guys, especially, and we think about games and what they mean and how they affect our, us as designers, I, I think more and more about well, what does that mean about what I'm trying to tell you about how the world operates, yeah. and what kind of experience am I trying to give you, and what am I explicitly doing, but also what am I implicitly doing, right? What are, what are what the things I'm assuming yeah. about the world that you should just agree with when I say, you know, yeah. <laughs> you should knock this woman out. <laughs> we'll throw her down the hole. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway. I, there, there, there are ways to do, to do what, they're, what they're doing with the damsel uh, for in, in modern day differently, or even just adding more. Like it can be the similar mechanic and just adding something, something that like treats I mean, her as yeah. yeah even concurrently Maybe with with too. Castle Crashers, <laughs> which it's a different yeah. genre, right? But but they do kind of the same thing in that like the plot is a Mario esque quest to save this princess who's been kidnapped, um, and like if you beat the game, spoilers, like you go in to get your kiss, right? And she's like actually some like entirely different. Like race, mm. I oh, think. Yeah, yeah. She's like one of the critters you've been chasing around and fighting the whole time. And then it goes into this weird dream-esque sequence of like, <laughs> yes, this is your ending. Here's rainbows flying across the sky and like rabbits like shooting up out of the dirt. <laughs> like the whole thing felt kind of like lampooning that concept. Mm -hmm, yeah. And that's even kind of concurrent with Spelunky. Yeah. So yeah, like the, I actually you know, am curious how concurrent that game is because yeah. I definitely played a lot more of that game. Yeah, Vince Spelunky. So yeah, um, and again, I I know there will be sort of internet criticism if anyone listens to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not many people do, but a few do. Um, they, you know, people will be like, "Well, it's just a game, right?" And but I think if we can hazard the idea that games are art, right? As an artist, I think it's important. You know, in the end, you're going to make what you want to make. But, right. you know, and it's, it's sort of impossible to Same escape here. the problem of having a worldview. But yeah, but it's worth, you know, asking these kinds of questions and being like, you know, what does this mean? And is there a way to I mean, a better question maybe is, is there a way to do this that, say, makes more people enjoy the experience? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a pretty practical, even a sort of capitalist idea. Yeah, right? Like, or, or even this if, will make more money if more people enjoy it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or, or even if your goal is. To make sure that people don't enjoy the experience, why are you doing that? Yeah, you know yeah. I mean, like, it just the reasons and the motivations behind it are worth examining for I mean, sure. I yeah. mean, if we didn't talk about that, literally, why are we here? Right. So, one thing that did jump out at me about the game, though, is the first time that I found the shop, I was still learning the buttons. I think on on, <laughs> P, on PS4, L shoot him? L1 is to is to purchase something, and I hit square, which threw a bomb, which exploded, <laughs> and immediately. Uh, like in big letters, it said terrorist with an exclamation point, and then the then the shopkeeper shot me with a shotgun. Yeah, yeah. I had the same exact experience. Yeah. I accidentally dropped a bomb. Yeah, and then I was like, I really, I can't. I, I'm sorry. And then you know he's attacking yeah, yeah, yeah. me, so I pick up, I steal the shotgun from the shop and shoot him. Yeah. 
but but yeah yeah the the big the big terrace where it d- definitely was, seemed like wow that that i don't think that would fly yeah, now. that like, was really funny not to, even a little because yeah. i i also got that experience not from being in the shop but i i actually triggered the the rolling boulder to, to continue the you know the 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 Indiana Jones references in this game. Um, so it happened completely off screen. So I was doing something else. <laughs> and then I just see the word terrorist pop up on the screen. Yeah. And I thought it was like a warning. Like it was like, oh no, you triggered the terrorist <laughs> who is coming to get you. And I was just like, yeah. what is You're happening? You're the terrorist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that that is definitely something that I was just like, what? Like well, what? It's interesting that that game, that 20, uh, 2008 was... Much closer, obviously, temporarily, to nine eleven, and that we were were we able to throw the word terrorist around with more ease back well, in two thousand eight than we are now. In my age group, yes, because I I think when when you see it happen in middle school, you see the towers fall in middle school, and then your humor evolves in that. Sure. Then all yeah. of your humor is also like, ah, you're a terrorist. You yeah. know what I mean? Sure, and so like sure. it ve- it felt now when I'm yeah, playing like it, it felt very juvenile. Right. That I like, see. oh, I accidentally blew up a shop and oh, and now oh, it's a terrorist and now everyone's coming to get me. Like, that's how yeah. I read it. Yeah. So I wonder how younger people, I wonder if that, I, I, well, I wonder if the joke would be lost on my teenage sons right now if they played it. Oh, the, I don't know. Quote unquote joke. I, don't I doubt know. it'd be completely lost. I mean, because they know what the word means, presumably. But not in, the, not so, in context of, but of yeah, of, blowing of, up a shopkeeper. Yeah, of the, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just definitely more distance yeah. from the concept now. I think in just like popular media, they would just see it as like a just a reference, like oh, okay, because you blew up something, so you're a terrorist. Okay, right. and like they wouldn't find it. I don't know if I would find necessarily find it funny, but right, right. but the, like there's clearly some like grain of like dated humor that they're going for yeah. with, with including yeah. that mm-hmm. probably. Um. Yeah. I actually, I'm, so did anybody get further in the game than the second world? No, I, I could only get to the second <laughs> level of the one, second level. Over the one, second world. Three. I know there are that like. That was exactly where I got as well. There are like four different themes, Biomes. I think. There are. Like I'm curious what the other world. There's also a spaceship. Ooh. Oh, it's but it's deep a, enough. Is it like a, a Mayan is crystal that like a, skull? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Situation. Wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me that that movie was inspired by Spelunky? <laughs> is that what we're positing here? Right. Um, and yeah, I remember being sort of frustrated by some mechanics too. Because like there, so when you start, you can just like loop forever and ever and ever. And it even has like a quick restart. But at the sort of hub... There's like an in construction area where it's like, oh, talk to this guy and you'll unlock a portal. And I'm like, I talked to this guy three times oh, yeah. and the portal doesn't unlock. Like, I have no idea what's what the deal. So it's yeah. so interesting that that they, because I'm used to roguelikes giving you those sort of progression mechanics, right? If you make it to this point, then you you know you can start from there if you want to, and that's you know. So um, I was curious if like how many sort of those surrounding mechanics there are in this game. If there's more that I just didn't see. Or if it's really just about the doing the thing over and over. I was wondering that too. Yeah. Um, We'll never know. Real quick before we wrap up, I have a quick question. Yeah. There is sometimes in the first world an altar with blood on it and a giant, many armed, presumably statue of a god behind it. Did anybody make that do something? 
Maybe you remember. have to throw the dames along. That's what, I, that's what I was thinking, but I also, like, never cared enough to, to try bring it back up. Yeah. I think I only saw it once, and I was just like, that's okay. scary. I'm leaving. Okay, somebody <laughs> go home, do it, and report back. Yeah, right? yeah. okay. And okay. Add it as a I think it's, isn't it Kali? Right? It's In from, quotes. It's from, from the, you know, from the it's yeah. from Temple of Doom, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. The concept, at least. Yeah. Um, you get the, the beating heart scene. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we have to. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, I, I do want to say, as we are wrapping up, we should have said this at the very beginning, but I'm going to say it now for those golden listeners out there who are listening all the way to the end. If you're about to say spoilers, I'm about to say <laughs> Not at all. Together Not is what he's going to say. Yeah, this is the first time that the five of us have been in a room together to podcast Since together. Like April of 2020? Yeah. Yeah. March. And, uh, yeah, I think it was definitely don't make us March. sound better than we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I just want to personally say we didn't. A lot of information was coming. <laughs> that, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I want to personally say how good it is to be in the same room with yeah. you guys. I, I oh, and this. also to clarify, we are in person because we are all vaccinated. Yes, we are all vaccinated. Fully vaccinated. Yes. We've been before we started. We all were just kissing like crazy, oh, and yeah. drinking out of each other's drinks, and coughing oh, yeah. on each other. Okay, one of those three things did actually. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you now. what. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's good to see you guys. It really, yeah. really is, and I want Yay. the whole world to know how nice it is. Uh, so Aww. if you're not vaccinated out there, people, go ahead and get vaccinated so you can do stuff like this. Start your own podcast. Be with your friends again. <laughs> Drink out of their drinks. Kiss them, maybe. Whatever you want to do. Get those numbers up. Let's get those be, numbers. Yeah. Let's be number one. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's right. Um, so, um. What do we do? Closing thoughts now. Closing right? yeah. thoughts. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then Olivia's going to announce our next season. I heard. <laughs> so let's maybe, go. Maybe. maybe I'll start closing thoughts. We'll end with Tanner, and then Olivia will give her closing sure. thoughts. Sounds great. Tell us where we're going next. So, my closing thoughts. Um, I liked that the levels that were procedurally generated felt authored. Um, I hated the little con- tweaky controlly things. I'm horrible at these games. I, I wish I was better, but I'm not. Uh, so that's really all I, I have on this one. Um, sorry that I don't have any more in depth than that. I wish I was we better. We covered a lot. So. We did. We did. But uh, that's sort of my, my quick two-point takeaway. Joe. Um, Spelunky gave me way more to think about in terms of the history of game design and culture than it did procedural generation even though it's iconic in procedural generation so for me it was more about its moment and how that helped me to understand game design over time and and culture over time and that was interesting okay i want to change my closing thought <laughs> i want to say what joe said but i want to say it before he said it because it really really made hey, me you're think. the one that does the editing so you have that's that right you just flip this. <laughs> yeah good 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 answer joe thanks, thanks. So, yeah welcome robbie closing um, thoughts I'm glad I got to revisit it because it's something that I didn't get to play when it first came out. Um, and obviously it does a lot of things well and then there's a lot of things worth reflecting on. But I think overall, um, you know, it's just not, maybe not my kind of game now for who I am, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I echo Robbie's sentiment in that like, uh, it's not a game I'm probably going to play much more of. Uh, I found it very difficult to play as much as I did. But I I think that the it makes it makes a really good case for the use of procedural generation, right? Like they took uh, this straightforward algorithm for generating these platforming levels 
uh, and essentially turned it into an endless game, right? So you can't you can't optimize this level, uh, which is its own thing, right? But in Spelunky, you have to like everything is unique. You go through it, and it's a different experience each time. Uh, and I think that creates a lot of value for a game like Spelunky, because uh, I, I think part of why I was interested in this topic this season is that there are lots of games that will plug in as much procedural generation and like everything is procedurally generated. Uh, and I, I think sometimes that's not necessarily better than the authored content. So I think Spelunky does a pretty good job of finding that middle ground and using it effectively. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. This is my turn for closing Um, I yeah. think one of the biggest things that, that I've realized playing Spelunky is that, and this is going to sound like I'm talking bad about the game, but it's like, it, I feel like it's not better than the things that have come later inspired by it, right? And I'm not saying that to say that it's bad. I'm saying that to say that it's actually was really, really important game. Like, there's so much that it led to, and so being able to actually play it, because like Robbie, I never played it prior. I just knew that it was important. And, um, so yeah, just, just playing it for that reason, it feels, you know, like it's worth thinking about, like Joe said, the sort of path of games that have come out of this. Um, and yeah, I mean, for being so simple, it's really effective. And even though it's, uh, definitely has some questionable things in it now that, you know, definitely, I feel like if the game came out, if this game came out now, I don't feel like, you know, and, and that's not even that useful to think about because, it wouldn't be successful because of all the things that have come after it, which is ridiculous. But um, but I am really glad to have played it and to have finally sat down and, and thought about it from sort of a game design perspective. I like that Olivia went with the whole ship of Theseus. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have to get a little bit existential. On Could this game be made now? If it was made then and inspired these other <laughs> games, they would be compared to it now that weren't then there. You change one little bit of Spelunky every day. <laughs> Eventually, is you it a new Spelunky? Right. Is, is Hades just actually? There's also yes. a little bit of the butterfly effect of what you're talking about, yeah, too. Yeah. If this game spawned these other games, could <laughs> they still do the. I don't know. Thanks, Professor. Um, <laughs> um, okay. So we're off next month, and then yeah. So uh, this, I guess, this month because we're like halfway through our break month <laughs> yeah, now yeah. at this point. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna take a break this month as our season intermission, and next season we are gonna be doing something a lot more specific, I think, than we've done in the past, yeah. maybe, but something really interesting. So uh, we're gonna what um, I already forgot what we decided to call it the refund. <laughs> The refund extravaganza. <laughs> the, uh, okay, so Didn't we decide to call it that. <laughs> the right Steam now. trademark. Steam trademark. Yeah, refund. Bonanza. I like extravaganza. Extravaganza bonanza. Um, and what we're going to be doing is each <laughs> each month, uh, the person who picks the game is going to be picking two games, both of which are meant to be played in under uh, two hours. One of them needs to be a game that the entirety of the game is contained in two hours. And the other game is a game that uh, is played in sessions of two hours or less on repeat or whatever we end up coming up with. Um, And the reason we want to talk about that is just to explore um, the Steam refund policy and some of the problems it uh, creates for developers that are trying to create these sort of movie length experiences in games and the way that the sort of you know, meta marketing layer affects the sort of games that are made right now. And, and, and um, 
in the world. So the amount of control that Steam has over that experience, exactly, that and, 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 and the way it's influencing yeah. you know, game game creation. And so design. we're really, I'm actually really excited about the season because I already like even just talking about this idea. We had like these huge talking points about these things, so I think it's going to be a really good season, and it's. Uh, also takes a long time to explain, so maybe we can just clip this and play it at the beginning of every yes. episode so we don't have to explain it every time. Uh, but yeah, so we're going to be doing that starting, what, what J- July, End of August? July. Yeah. July? End of July. End okay, of July. July. So um, stay tuned Beginning of July. Sometime in July. Sometime in July. Two hours or less. That's the, that's the short version. <laughs> Two hours or less. Two hours or less. Yeah. Or oh, your pizza's free. We're playing it through July. And we'll talk about it at the end of July. You'll get it in your podcast feed in August. Yeah. You'll get it when it's ready. Yeah. <laughs> You'll get it when you You'll get it in 2008. Um, but if you got it in 2008... What? Then we <laughs> <laughs> Watch Dark. <laughs> um, so thank you all, everybody who joined us uh, this month for the podcast. Um, as always, uh, if you played along with us for this last game of Spelunky... Uh, tell us what you thought about it on our Facebook page, on our website, um, or on our Discord channel. Join us on Discord. Talk to us. Chat with us. Uh, see the other projects that we're working on as Little Rock Games that go way beyond the scope and the the, uh, uh, the base of, of this podcast. Um, got a lot of cool people on our Discord now, and it's becoming quite a nice little cute community. I like it. I like it. Um... Right now, underneath us, you'll probably be hearing Playing Loafer by Kevin McLeod. He provides our music. If you need any music stuff, look him up online. Uh, He's got some good snappy little background musical stuff. And we hope to see you in uh, July slash August for next season. Thanks for joining us. And until then, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.